0: All right, guys, welcome back. We are joined by Gabriel Townsell, uh, recent graduate from the Stanford University. Congratulations, my man. Uh, three-time Thank you. time NCA qualifier for the wrestling team out there, uh, big-time wrestler. Man, we appreciate you coming on. How are you feeling?
1: I feel good. Thank you for having me. All
0: right, man, so let's uh, get right into it with your wrestling career, man. Uh, let's go back to your high school days. You're from Chicago. You uh, wrestled at Oak Park River Forest um yeah. as we were talking earlier avery and i we went to glenbar north so we're a big res- we were a big wrestling powerhouse too for what it's worth we didn't wrestle we don't know shit about that we were hoopers <laughs> and uh how, how was that uh yeah. wrestling outside of chicago you guys were number one right Probably while you were there
1: uh my junior year we got to number one in the country but yeah that was cool yeah. um you guys were in our conference actually so that's pretty funny um nice. but yeah it was it was a good time it was a lot for all of us in a lot of ways. Um, four of my friends and, and I, we all came from different parts of Illinois, independent of each other, and happened to, to move to Oak Park to go there. So that was a lot of controversy because our freshman year, we had five freshmen starting. It was four black guys and a Mexican guy on a generally predominantly white, very suburban team, and we kind of just ran the state. So by then, people started, like, posting our mess. Our uh, excuse me. Our addresses on message boards. They had private investigators following us to school workouts in the morning. Really? It was crazy. Um, so a lot of people invested a lot of time and effort uh, in seeing uh, our our experiment as a successful public school program fail. But
0: just because we didn't guys, do it, you guys were colored. That's pretty much why. Is that what that was?
1: I mean, there's that's definitely part of it. I, I think that that was unsettling to a lot of people because we did change the culture of that program quite a bit. But beyond that, it was because, you know, we kind of shook up the system. We all came from different places. People assumed we had to have been recruited. A lot of people said like our coach was paying for us all to live in an apartment, which is ridiculous. Like (laughs) we we all walked to school and it's not until later in our (laughs) our, uh, high school careers, our coach didn't have it like that. It's not like he could have just paid for us to each have individual apartments in one apartment building and so a, a, a lot of the the myths that surrounded that given how competitive we had been before high school and obviously how competitive we were in high school it was uh <laughs> it led to it being quite the experience but it was fun yeah. and we all went so far so
2: yeah as uh as one of the frequenters of those wrestling boards shout out illinois Mad men mm-hmm. yeah uh like that, yeah like like, yeah, those – I'm pretty sure that happens, like, every five years where, like, a team gets, like, really good and then people always complain about, oh, this guy moved here, this guy moved there. And, like, I think, like, Glenbard had it. uh teeny yeah. has it. I mean, they're Catholic, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, they like, can do it. And Marmion. And Marmion. And, oh,
2: Marmion. Marmion, Marmion. Marmion, Marmion like, was like,
1: dude, that – Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a whip. They had Ben Whitford. They had – uh they had Johnny, they had Bryce Burrell, they had, like, <laughs> they had literally anybody you could think of as being a powerhouse at that school. Yeah, they, I know that Whitford kid right was from, like, Michigan. Yeah, he, he was, uh, and he had been in a couple places before that, too. But just seeing them, yeah. at that point, be as good as they were in the same place. They had Jerry Cortez. It was like, I was like, all right, man, <laughs> I don't oh, know yeah. how we're going to wrestle them. And then they had to break up. But a lot of them ended up going, like, to Lambert no, yeah. normal, wherever, but it's yeah, happened so, before.
2: Yeah, it's so crazy how each history just repeats itself. Like people co- people complain on the boards and like I, I bet there's also that rumor, oh this guy's like not really 18, he's like 20. He's like 20, 21. That happened. Yeah, nobody said that about
1: us. Oh yeah. <laughs> nobody, they, <laughs> yeah, they'd seen us growing up. But that yeah. had happened in Illinois before. There was a oh, guy yeah. was like he was like a grown man just wrestling like youth sports. Like was he exactly for real? Like he was, was he older thing.
3: than everyone, or did people just think he was older than everyone?
1: No, he was older than everyone, <laughs> significantly older than everyone. They just found out, cheated, and <laughs> lost them a bunch of duels. It was like a big scandal.
2: <laughs> yeah. Just small yeah. Small yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah, so can I ask a question about like that because that Oak Park River Forest team was was pretty stacked. Like yeah. um, you had like you had Was that like, are you Kamal Bay's age? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like Kamal Bay, there's like a Larry, like like a lot of D1 starters, and like Kamal Bay is like an internet sensation because he just throws guys like who like Renteria, yeah, like really good, crazy quality guys. Like, how was that? How was that intensity in the practice room? Would
1: just you just had studs all around? Like, what was was it was tougher in college rooms by a lot. Uh, it was, we trained a lot harder harder in high school than I did at Stanford. And, and that's weird to say, um, not necessarily overall. Like I definitely did a lot more conditioning work when I was at Stanford. I definitely wrestled at a different, um, at different pace. Uh, There was, there's a lot that made the transition to college necessary. You know what I mean? Like there's, There's a big difference between high school and college, of course. But, like, college guys would come back. The Dardanes brothers would come back. Sammy Brooks would come back. And they'd be like, man, I forgot how hard these practices were. Because we were doing a whole lot of work. We would do, like, there were times we would just have 50-minute grind matches. You know, like, high school kids aren't really doing that. And we had, you know, 10 coaches getting paid basically nothing just to work with us. And, you know, having that many bodies in there, that many people who are – who were, like, successful in wrestling. We had, you know, uh, Juco National Champs. We had uh, veterans, world champions. We had, you know, Division One All-Americans, just guys who had been successful in high school. um, And they were all there to work with all of us. So it, it was an intense training environment in that we were expected to always work as hard as we could in a system that was designed for us to do the best that we possibly could. And beyond that, like, we used to have this – it was kind of a joke, but it really wasn't. We, we would say we had the best JV in the state. because most of the guys who would have made starting lineups in other schools. They were on our, our junior varsity team, and they were winning matches against guys who were, like, pretty solid in other states or even in the same state we were in. Like, there were there were quite a few guys that we had in JV who would have placed in state if they had the chance to be starters. Oh, so, for sure. That's crazy. The, the room was deep. The staff was deep. The training was intense. Uh, and if you did the work, you were going to get what your body could get out of it. So. Hmm.
3: Gabriel, when did you realize that you were, you know, g- good at wrestling and you could actually go to college and, and, and wrestle in college? Was this
1: something you realized young? Was this throughout high school?
3: Like when did that really hit you?
1: It was the dream. As soon as I realized I actually liked the sport. Um, and I say that because it took me a while to even want to do it. My dad wrestled in college. He wrestled at Northwestern. He also wrestled at Dunbar. He was from Chicago. He grew up really a block away from, away from, for at least part of his upbringing. So um, he had always been around a sport. It had always been around people who were wrestlers. We used to go to Midlands, things like that. But I didn't start wrestling until I was 10, which isn't late for a lot of people because I know a lot of people started Later than that, in high school, even. Um, But for people who have been wrestling a long time, most of them that you meet, they started when they were, like, three or four. Like, Kamal started when he was three. Isaiah started when he was, like, eight. Isaiah White. That's one name that you yeah. you didn't mention, Art. Was, oh, yeah. Yeah, my, my one of the biggest <laughs> names. Yeah, three-time state champ, Division two national champ. Got to put his record out there. Uh, I mean, you know, Iowa State, Nebraska. I ain't really Nebraska. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I feel you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, having those guys around, obviously, was something that propelled each of us forward in, in different ways. But, like, the, I guess the system advantaged us in different ways, too. So it was, it was good to be in that environment, for sure.
0: So when you were younger and you figured out that I can wrestle and then you were mm-hmm. in high school, how did you – the scholarship just started coming in the offers and all that. How did that process go about? And why did you choose? To um,
1: choose? None, of, none of that process was conventional for me. I couldn't even explain that to you. Like it, it should have happened. I, I really started getting recruited for college when I was in eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade. It okay. shouldn't have gone that way, but it did. Okay. Um, But like I, luckily there are a decent amount of college programs in the area and my dad was willing to travel. So we went everywhere. And as long as I was willing to wrestle in every tournament and keep competing at a high level, like I would get more eyes on me. I would, I was willing to wrestle anybody to go anywhere to do anything. Cause I, I knew when I was young, first of all, I'm a young black man from the West side of Chicago and I knew I was intelligent, but I also knew that the best chance for me to get from where I wanted to from where I was to where I wanted to be was to do it through the, like something that I could optimize my time toward completely and, you know, one of the, the easiest route that I could think of based on how my life was going was to get an athletic scholarship. And I dreamed of that really as long as I started, I used to draw myself like wrestling for Stanford. So I, I knew that really before high school was the transition in my mind, because at the point where I had decided that I was going to basically leave my house behind and go and live in another city to to train and. Another dimension of that story is that I didn't live with my family for my freshman year of high school. Like I lived with my dad's high school coach and his wife, who I had met one time before that. Um, like once I had decided that that was the sacrifice that I was going to make, I was going to be all in regardless. So, just to kind of tie back to that, like realizing when I was when I was young that like being in those environments, I I mean, guys like Isaiah, Isaiah started when he was eight. Alan Sollings, who wrestled who wrestled 220 for us, who played football in Indiana. He started when he was around, I think, six. And uh so it, it felt like I was making up ground trying to keep up with those guys my whole like my whole youth career. But once we actually got around each other, I realized that like we were all putting in the same amount of work. We were all gonna make similar sacrifices. And as long as we were willing to to play off each other's strengths and recognize and compensate for each other's weaknesses, we knew the offers would start coming in. So we all started getting them pretty early, earlier than we should have, but it kind of started and (laughs) it started at that point where we recognized that like we weren't necessarily competing with one another so much as we were competing to build up one another to the degree that we could all do what we dreamed of doing. I'm just now realizing that (laughs) I hadn't, finished that train of thought from the question before so i'm sorry about that no <laughs>
3: oh, you good oh good hey, real, i know you mentioned being you know a, a young black man west side of chicago went to high school with not a lot of minority wrestlers was that part of the reason you you and you say i think a 10 or 11 of your buddies started the black wrestling association like how did that form how did that start how did that tie into your up, upbringing um, uh, to a, a
1: collegiate wrestler Man, that is a huge question. Um, so I guess, yeah, I, I waited to completely answer the question before that because I had a feeling of tiredness. I knew this was the yeah. <laughs> direction you were going in. But uh, so I I chose Stanford because I knew I wanted to go to an academically elite school. And one of the coaches on the national team, his name is uh, Ray Blake, he was also the the head assistant coach at Stanford. So I I got pretty close with him as I was going through Fargo teams. He really has been coaching me since I was 13 years old, literally. So um, just recognizing that there was somebody who I could trust um, who I knew would understand my wrestling or at least would see it over the course of that entire stretch of time, that was a big thing for me. Um, And that was one of those things that made me recognize that I was going to have to sort of i, I was going to have to create my own identity against a culture that uh, was dominated by white people essentially like if I wanted to get out of where I was and I did want to get out of where I was and um, like my parents were making enough money that I was comfortable but when I was a kid I was getting shot at like when I I was in high school, I went to Lollapalooza. I went on, I got back on the train and it was some, a dude put a gun in my face. It's like, those are the kind of things that just randomly were happening where I was like, I know I want to get out of this, this city to do something great. Um, but part of that recognition was that I would have to adapt to circumstances that I wasn't used to in a sport that largely compensated for people who were from backgrounds that I, I had no experience with. Um, in order to to actually get what I wanted from those sorts of experiences. So um, I guess the reason why that organization needed to be created is because a lot of people like me have grown up in situations that are contrasted with those that they have to end up with to get opportunities out of wrestling. Wrestling is a largely rural sport, and there are a lot of people, you know, they get three brothers, they all wrestle, they got a barn, they lay down mats, they can go out and wrestle every day. I don't have a single place in Chicago like, in Chicago proper, where I can go and wrestle somebody. Like, there isn't one place right now. And there are some schools that are in Chicago, uh, and and many of them are are Catholic and far away from where I live, but their their training situations, A, they aren't open now, and B, they they aren't largely open to everybody. A lot of their guys have to train in other clubs. So, um, and and a lot of those clubs – they require a lot of resources people don't have like to, to go to a lot of wrestling clubs, you'd have to pay like a thousand dollars. And I know a, a lot of kids I grew up with who were interested in wrestling, they couldn't afford to pay a thousand dollars to go to a wrestling camp. And they weren't good enough that somebody was willing to pay for them, but they wanted to be good enough that they could. And they just didn't have any opportunities, any resources, any of those things. So at at some capacity, we've all felt that, um, there is an experience, there's a duality of our, our experience within the sport. Uh, on one hand, we participate in the larger culture, which is established for people who aren't us in pretty much all cases, because, I mean, wrestling has to be a microcosm of the world at large, and the world at large has a lot of these institutions that are just outdated and um, sort of perpetuate these, these either prejudices or disadvantages. Um, and, and we all sort of got together. It was actually in the wake of the, the George Floyd situation, had a large zoom call and 11 of us were still pretty passionate from that zoom call. We we hopped on a call and we were like, all right, so what are we going to do? And in the midst of deciding that we were going to create an organization, uh, Jordan Burroughs actually proposed that we, we do a forum that was addressing the situation so that people knew that like there, there was this this sort of unrest that had gone ignored for a certain amount of time, and there was something that needed to to be done about it. Given that there you know there are so many black people in the in the wrestling community who have been uh, essential to the development of the culture, and without them being seen as anything more than their accomplishments in a world where um, I guess all of these sort of even refereeing is built for people who aren't like us. Um, things can be uncomfortable, they're difficult. And and, and you kind of have to feel like a distance even between your teammates and you. So we really want to make it so that people who grow up in situations that are at some capacity built for people who aren't them. Um, if there are people like that across the country, we want to, we want, we want them to know that there's a voice for them. There's a resource for them. And, um, to the extent that there are, we would like for there not to be. So we're trying to level the playing field. I know that's a a big answer, but it's a big question. So Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, that was a great, that
1: was a great answer. That's exactly what we were looking for. That was
2: perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Gabriel, I actually watched that, that USA Wrestling Zoom call. And like, um, that's how I first kind of started, like, you know, following you on socials, just noticing, like, are you, you know, you you told like a, just like an awe-inspiring story about like you know your personal traumas like throughout the season and throughout your life, and like how it affected you as a young black man, and how some of these guys from like Stanford just like couldn't couldn't relate on the same way to your trauma and they had no bearing whatsoever like on that type of experience um so like pertaining to like the b w a like what what is your personal goal out of it i like i know like you know, you, you, mentioned like what, you know, the group as a holding, but what are you trying to get out of it specifically, whether it be, uh, Chicago or, um, just whatever you envision, what do you, what do you envision
1: the BD- BWA doing and growing into? Um, that also is a large question. And also, sorry, if I'm not like tying all these threads all the way together, I'm super tight, but, uh, <laughs> uh, what I want from BWA is exactly what we say our mission is. I want to inspire, uh, inspire, connect, and empower people who are like me, you know, black wrestlers and allies. And the mechanism that we say that we'll do that through is through rep- representation, through opportunities, and through equality and fostering all of those things. And so the thing that's really important to me is that we create opportunities for people who don't have them that we create representation for people who don't have examples or don't know of examples of people who have done exactly what they want to do. And, um, there are so many of those, there's, there are so many people who just wouldn't recognize that there have been black wrestlers who have been succeeding for a really long time. Guys like, uh, guys like Tremel Byers, who's living with us right now coaching currently and is the most decorated American Greco-Roman wrestler ever. Um, those sorts of things go over people's heads a lot because we talk about, you know, the same five people. So what I want is for people to have more resources, more opportunities for there to be more clubs across the country, um, more schools that kids can go to, to continue to, I don't know, live out their dreams. I I would have loved to have been able to stay in Chicago. I just lowered my seat. (laughs) I would have loved to have been able to stay in Chicago. Um, My sister stayed in school in Chicago. I didn't get to live with her for senior year. Um, And then for three years of high school, I just lived with my dad in an apartment and I would come home and see my mom on weekends with him. And that was a certain amount of strain that I wish I didn't have to put on myself to get my, to get to my dreams, but I had to, if I could have just stayed where I was. I mean, I was taking high school classes in seventh and eighth grade. I would have started high school with a 4.6 high school GPA and I would have already had a decent amount of high school credits. Had I gone down that path, I would have been able to graduate when I was 16. And, you know, I I didn't get to do that because I had to go someplace else in order to actually achieve those dreams. So I want more people to be able to uh, to reach their dreams in the same way that people can in, in in areas where, like, the systems developed that created those advantages for other people. So, okay, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I want everything everything to be equal I want the sport to grow and more than anything I want people who grew up dreaming like me to be able to to achieve those dreams of as as little uh familial or external sacrifice as possible
3: yeah no it's interesting to say that because I what you said about the not having access to a wrestling mat is, is so true because I I'm a basketball player I'm you know from the Chicago and I feel like every two blocks I can find a basketball court you know either inside outside a gym and I never oh, yeah. thought about it that way when it comes to a wrestling mat <laughs> you know it's 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 interesting you 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 say that and it's great that you're shining a light on this this area that people I guess almost have turned a blind eye to um you know yeah. connecting black people in wrestling yeah. It, it can work and you, and you showed it and, 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 and people before you showed it. So that's
1: very interesting. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, it is. It isn't a white sport. It's just a sport that's been optimized for white people in white areas for a long time. But like, yeah, a lot of people say like wrestling isn't one of the sports that black people traditionally do. I know a lot of black people who wrestle. I know a lot of black communities even do wrestle, but we don't have that opportunity to create it in the same way. So, you know, I, I don't want people to, to, to come in with this preconception that the culture is rigid because it can't be. It shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, do you
2: guys have anything coming up on the horizon? Like any actionable uh, steps so far? Or are you just still more in the concept area of uh, the organization?
1: It's difficult to say what's actionable right now because COVID-19 is, yeah. well, I think. Yeah, and definitely. Everything. In-person opportunities are few yeah. and far between. Yeah. But, um... We have a lot of plans we have uh four specific initiatives that we're focused on okay and and three of those four we're putting a lot more primacy on but we're just trying to figure out what access we have to the things that would actually make those plans possible so yeah it, it's it's an interesting time right now it's hard to say what what would be actionable but we're looking at Nah, I don't even know if I can talk about. Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we don't want to get you in trouble. We don't want to get you. We're celebrating uh, the
2: black ours. black wrestlers, and we just get it shut down.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> let me ask a question real quick for somebody that doesn't know shit about wrestling. So, how what is this? How does this group work? Is it kind of a community for you guys? Like in a nutshell. Is it you know all these wrestlers? If you, they are there, leaders within this organization that are gonna kind of bring young wrestlers in and kind of groom them or give them opportunities. Is that it's what... a traditional
1: five one C three where we have we have a board um, that we're working on expanding actually, but we have the founding members allocated in various roles and we have uh, other external members. I really would prefer not to speak on the structure quite yet, yeah, yeah. just because it isn't something that's entirely cemented but it it's solid enough that we can we can move forward with action rec- 501c3 paperwork on you guys recruit um,
0: and stuff like that
1: not exactly in, in in the sense that there are people to be recruited that that's more of a, a membership structure mm-hmm. but um it isn't it isn't so much uh it is a community but it's it's the it's an organization fostering a community if that makes any sense it's not it's not necessarily designed to be the community itself. It's supposed to create the spaces that would be conducive to there being a community. That is to say that there already is a community for a lot of white wrestlers or a lot of wrestlers okay. from backgrounds where they have the opportunity to have access to these resources and, uh, you know, and not not to be uh, I guess not to be disadvantaged by prejudices in many cases. Um, but until we have those opportunities that are created for Really, everybody we haven't done anything. So so
0: let's say, let's say young Avery over here back in the day when, uh, let's say he was 125 pound wrestler. I don't think this man was
1: ever 125 pounds. (laughs) Bro, I was like, I was like four years old, man. (laughs) Yeah. I would (laughs) have, I would have beat him up when he was four. I promise you.
0: (laughs) Just wouldn't have the technique if he didn't have, if, if he didn't have, I guess, the resources. You know, to wrestle and whatnot, and or couldn't find a man, Would they go through you guys, or what you guys are creating to get those opportunities?
1: Um, there's there's a lot to be said for how that could happen. Um, honestly, we we're, we're looking to like secure funds to provide them with places to travel. Word. That'd be one way that we could do it. But also, um, we're potentially partnering with people who who have spaces like that. Okay. So it's really just a matter of who's who's mm-hmm. willing to. Support the project at this point, and how much we can do, yeah. um, both mm. leveraging our connections and, and platforms, to actually foster these initiatives that bring about change. Gotcha. But I can't get like I, like yeah, I said, yeah, I can't yeah. get too specific yeah. about what that means. But All right, yeah,
0: time for your so, comeback, man. Cut that way, dog.
1: Bro, I'm doing pushups right now, man. <laughs> Let me know. Don't do it. I promise <laughs> you, it's not worth it. You're gonna get down here, and and, and you're just gonna get beat up for what. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like this ain't funny anymore, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you cut you cut all that weight. We thought it was a Rocky montage. It's not that
3: <laughs> uh Gabriel, when and I you know, I we, we talked about Stanford, we talked about wrestling. How did it feel, you know, weeks, days before you, you know, you guys you were at Stanford and you guys ended up getting shut down uh because of COVID and then finding out that hey, there's no more wrestling program here. Like what yeah. What kind of went through your mind? Did you talk to other wrestlers that are freshmen, sophomores? Where you know, I, I know you graduated, so you're leaving that program and, and and doing better and and bigger things. I just want to get what your point of view is. What's everything that's happening with
1: Stanford and the wrestling program and then the other sports that they also canceled? I was devastated. I, I know a lot of people on uh, pretty much each of those teams, but I I, I didn't even look the first day to see what the other teams were I was just like wrestling got canceled like I, I was really the person who broke that news because somebody broke it to me I just got a text at like eight thirty in the morning um from this girl I'm friends with out there and she said you're lucky you got out at the right time they just cut wrestling and I was like what and I just tweeted it immediately I didn't know what else to do it was just like we had to get moving right away really like we had to get something off the ground that, that would make it possible to reverse this, and we really don't know how possible it is to reverse it, but we have to fight it. So, like in in the wrestling community, really, I was the, I was the first person that anyone saw say that. Um, so I I was I was bugging out because it was just like that's I, I still got friends there who don't who might not have the chance to finish their careers, and even to the extent that the ones that I came in with can still finish their careers, there are guys who are still there who really are either gonna have to transfer or gonna have to fight. So I hurt for them a lot. And uh, it, it really did suck. But I, I cannot I can't say I was surprised, just given how I mean there were so many, there were so many signs. There were so many like examples of of Stanford having financial struggles somehow. We kept getting emails that that were asking about students to, and they were asking students basically to figure out how to solve Stanford's financial woes and emails. And I'm like, they got a $30 billion endowment. How could they,
2: Damn. how could they have
1: financial troubles? Like what did yeah. they do? And, but the entire time there had already been strikes about how Stanford wasn't wasn't paying their uh, service workers. Like a lot of the people who were custodians, a lot of the people who were working in dining halls they weren't earning the wages that they should have been earning if any wages at all. And um, so that was a big deal while we were finishing up the school year. And I I just kept seeing these signs of um, the potential for things getting cut. And unfortunately, because wrestling is such a niche sport at this point, it tends to be one of the first on the chopping block. So do you
2: believe that the school kind of used COVID as a mask
1: to cut other sports? I think so, given that we know that um, they've said that fundraising money wouldn't be a solution. I think Mm. they didn't want the financial burden of having to keep a program that wasn't substantively contributing to the, uh, I guess, the financial upheaval of the university, given that they had made mistakes. Mm. And, I mean, there's there's a separate endowment for athletics than there is for the university at large, which is a misconception a lot of people haven't been able to uh look into very much.
2: Mm.
1: But the thirty billion isn't something that at this point the athletic department has access to and maybe that'll have to change. Maybe people will pressure them enough. Who knows what will come of it. But um athletics has its own endowment, so and they have <laughs> they have too much say in, in that case. Uh, and ultimately why would a bunch of administrators who are essentially paying themselves a lot of money and and hundreds of them literally um, why would they not continue to pay themselves money uh, when that's the alternative to keeping those sports you know what I mean there are still quite a few handsomely paid athletic directors and 11 programs are being cut as opposed to any of those salaries being cut.
2: Have you heard on anything about, you know, the fight to keep uh, Stanford wrestling and other Stanford sports? I'm like, is there any updates or is it, is it kind of a, I don't want to say it's like a dead deal at this point, but um, is there a, are there talks of Like, no, maybe we can bring it back.
1: I mean, the fight is ongoing as always. Yeah. And it, it has been, I'm sure you guys have been seeing just the media surrounding it. If not, I mean, people have been putting hashtag Keep Stanford Wrestling on something different every day. Um, And and there's a huge petition and all that's great. I think um, we've done what we need to do from the standpoint of securing general support from social media, from the wrestling community, from friends of the wrestling community. Um, What needs to happen is somebody's got to get to those administrators. Somebody has to... um, either force Stanford to audit, someone's got to uh, pressure someone to say, hey, maybe we shouldn't be doing this, we should be doing this, but until we can actually get to the people who are, uh, I guess, whose money is in the way, for lack of of better explanation, or whose uh, administrative power would actually be able to affect some sort of change. Uh, I think we're gonna keep moving at a similar pace that being said we we do have a lot of support for the cause so there are a Mm -hmm. lot of people who are willing to help a lot of people who are willing to do what they can to support the program but as far as updates are concerned um, a lot of them are gonna be uh, more about securing that support as opposed to uh, securing the Mm -hmm. footholds of any substantive change for the for the time being at least yeah so how does that
2: affect the uh, the California RTC? So Avery and Curran, if you don't know, the R- uh, RTC means regional training center. It's just where re- kind of wrestlers go to compete for or to train for uh, international competitions, or kind of like a post collegiate club or yeah. during college as well. Mm-hmm. But like because ha- I because I know they didn't they just hire like Jameel Kelly or um,
1: no. It was Kerry McCoy. Oh, Jamil Carrie was there Mc- for the first two years of my uh, college career. Oh yeah. Carrie Carrie, McCoy.
2: yeah, yeah, Kerry McCoy. My my bad.
1: But yeah, other yeah. Olympic silver medalists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, both solid guys, obviously. Um, and Jamil did a lot for me at the beginning of my career. Uh, and Kerry is Gary Even in the short time that he coached me when I was on the Pan Am team, he's done a lot. So they they actually aren't fully affiliated with the team. They do have to use the facilities, but they'll still proceed as usual, as, as I guess, as close to usual as things can be. Yeah. Um, so they're still looking to sign athletes, still looking for places to train. It's difficult for anybody at all to move forward. So, like I said earlier, picking where I train is going to be difficult. But um, California RTC is not um, on the same chopping block that the Stanford wrestling team is, not necessarily anywhere. Yeah uh
2: yeah how do I I don't know if if you know I've, anyone knows that this but uh how do rtc's get their funding is it from the national funding or is it fundraising or is it
1: it it's sort of a case by case thing most of mm-hmm. them uh are, it's a lot it's a lot of fundraising yeah um but it just kind of depends on how many Resources programs can get allocated to that sort of thing, but yeah, a lot of them okay. are fundraising. A lot of, a lot of RTC athletes' salaries are fundraised or stipends rather are fundraised, depending on what the structure of the contracts is. Oh, um, so it kind of works out that way. It, it okay. It, it works well for a lot of people, but they also are their own separate organizations that do have their own separate funding. It's just that that funding is limited, obviously. So the oh. the operations of RTCs are often fundraised.
3: Gotcha. Now, Gabriel, once, now that your your college wrestling is over, I, I believe you graduated recently. Congratulations on that. What's Thank your you. next move? What's What are you plotting next? What are you at post-COVID, once things get better, where are we going to see you next?
1: Um, <laughs> Two things that I can guarantee are going to happen. I'm going to find some place to train for the next Maybe not for the next few years, but I will be wrestling competitively for the next few years. It's just I need to find some place to train at least for the next year. Um, and I'll keep wrestling internationally and training for the Olympic teams, world teams, that sort of thing. And I'll keep making music. Those are the only two things that I know are going to happen for a fact. Beyond that, everything else is up in the air. But post-COVID, I, I just need to figure out where I'm training, figure out how I'm going to make money and keep doing what's currently making money so,
0: so have- music so- music hold on let's, let's let's talk on that real quick yeah, yeah that you like slid that one in no, so-, so that was gonna yeah. be my next point so i know we're running out of time here so let's switch gears here real quick but you are actually yeah. really big into music right you have your own music streaming on all platforms right now i mm. earlier before we started i was like okay all right so how how, how is that going and is that just of the biggest passion for you in wrestling or even bigger
1: not as big or bigger at all. It it was kind of a hobby that I started and got nice at, but I've been writing for a long time. You write every um, day, right? Pretty much, yeah. I, I I try to write every day. I'm not always as successful at it now, but I I used to write every day. I'm usually writing every day. Yeah. But I have a lot of a, a lot of talented friends who are producers. I produce uh, I have a lot of talented friends who are engineers. I'm my own engineer. Um and I started making music just before I came to Stanford. It wasn't really something that I intended to do. Like I taught myself how to play piano when I was in eighth grade and kept doing it for a while. And then, uh, I started writing poetry, started writing music, did spoken word in high school. That's a long story. Kind of got <laughs> kidnapped into starting spoken word because <laughs> I, I won this competition thing. And, um, then there was this thing called Hip Hop Wing that we did that was like a, a subsect of spoken word where there was this six-five white man who had the biggest, strongest rap voice I had ever heard. And he was so nice. And his name was Adam Levin. He goes by Def C. If you look him up on platforms, he's an incredible rapper. One of the best writers out of Chicago for sure. Um, but just 30-year-old big white man holding like a room full of people where he would just play beats. We had to come in. We had to freestyle, and then we'd sit down, and we'd write. He'd do this thing called 16s for 16, where he'd play a beat for 16 minutes, and people would try to write a 16. Some people would get, like, eight bars out. Some people would get 12. Some people would get, a whole 16, it would be decent. I was in there writing, like, 50 every time. Mm-hmm. And they were all just solid. So they were like, when are you going to record? And I was like, bro, I don't know if I ever will, but I, I think I'm good at writing, you know, like you are. Yeah. Keep doing it. So I, I just ran with it for a few years. Got to Stanford. Started opening for everybody. I opened for T Pain, Two Chains, Kamaya, Freezy. Great. Yeah, I did Blackfest and um, what's it called? Uh, Frost, That's which was the other big festival. It was just I, I opened yeah. for probably like my and even from there after that, independent of Stanford, I opened for more people. So I just started getting more and more yeah. big names, more and more looks, more and more people telling me that I should keep doing it. And I've got a a a lot of decent sized cosigns that are telling me that they want to put me someplace. Yeah. So I, I can't say a lot about that really either, unfortunately. <laughs> but and I also <laughs> I'm 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 really not trying to flex like that, so I'm not gonna name drop. But um oh,
0: man, be the plug
1: a small flex small flex i mean I, we do a couple you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, no uh Danny the butcher dm me yesterday from the video that i i posted of me freestyling the other day i was in the car i was like my homie sent him my music and he was like oh right, we want you on the state so i was like okay i i i was like If I was if I was gonna get on a tape with Benny the Butcher, I gotta make sure that I can rap like dudes in Griselda, and I know I can, but I need to get on the beat. So, went and found one, um, just started rapping over it, posted it on on Twitter and Instagram yesterday, and he DM'd me about that and was saying like he he liked my style, he liked my sound. Um, Depending on what my budget is and what I want to do, like we got a couple plays we can make. So that was one. Um, Then right when when The quarantine started like the I ended up getting a call from the producer who discovered Kanye, and he was telling me that I could be one of the guys that he saw going in that direction if he could, if he could, you know, bridge any of the gaps. And there's just been a couple little things like that that just keep on happening. Like like this person from this company or this label or this person who knows this person says this or says that. And the reason why I say that's not something to flex about is because until those become actual opportunities, I'm not proud of them. They're not really, Right. Um, they're not all that cool to me. The Benny the Butcher one was, just because that's actually Benny the Butcher, and if he wants to rap with me, he can make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. But like, with anybody else, until there's some money in my pocket, until there's something writing, until, you know, there's something actually substantive that comes with that, I'm just working and playing the game. It's just like, what else is that going to do? Yeah. You can so tell me we- anything forever, but until I actually like see something come of it, like, there ain't no point in me listening to it. All right.
2: So with uh, so with music, what's your what's your creative process like?
1: Oh man, <laughs> there's a lot that goes into it. So every sound that I hear in my mind, I, I'm a synesthete, which means like everything that I hear has a color. Some of yeah. them have textures. Like I associate sound with color. Sometimes I see it. It's weird to explain, but like that goes one. into it, because I make a lot of my I'm mean, not a lot of my own beats, but I make a lot of beats, and I do a lot of my own mixing. Pretty much all of my own mixing, and so like I pretty much organize things by sound in my head. That's part of it. Beyond that, I write whenever I get the inspiration. Uh, my friends will send me beats whenever because they work almost as as quickly as I work. Definitely not as quickly as I work, but almost as quickly as I work. Like one of my friends sent me like 30 beats the other day. Like I was just like, "What is wrong with you, bro?" <laughs> But quarantine, so, you know, like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I probably, I'm, I made like 30 beats. I'm not mad at it, but like um that sort of thing. My creative process is just seeing what comes to mind and either creating whatever I can make that I feel like would be the best for a project and then deciding what of those songs actually makes the project or uh making like one off super hard freestyles that I can just throw in the background and put on a mixtape if I want to, or like, Post a video of if I want to keep attention on the music, but th- there's always something that has to keep that brand moving as long as I'm wrestling, especially since I couldn't promo in the NCAA. So
0: I'm, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure, like the common notion is that you have wrestling on one side and music on the other side, and it's like completely, completely on the opposite side of the spectrum, right? But I feel like you probably have a different mindset, right? How do you relate the two? Super similar.
1: They're super similar. In what way? Um, in the sense that like. I don't know, I feel like I use both of them as escapes from things. And if you lean into both of them and do as much work as you can do, you can get as much of yourself as as you're willing to get out of yourself. It's just getting out of your comfort zone. So I think um, just like in wrestling, there are people who start more talented than other people. You you can start with all the source material, but until you start actually putting in the work and outworking other people and and making that stretch, none of that talent means anything. So it's kind of like with anything else, um it's a, it, it's time management it's tenacity it's <laughs> will, being willing to do crazy things work crazy hours um go crazy places doing necessary things to to achieve that end goal and recognizing that even if you do all of those things you you break your neck you you know <laughs> you you put all of your effort into it you recruit everybody you pay all your money nothing has to come out of it but you did the work to better yourself it's a constant process of refinement. It's dynamic in the sense that wrestling is both aerobic and anaerobic music is like, it's dynamic and it's static. There's so many things that you need to do quickly, but there's so many things that you need to do over a long period of time. And like, I think I use one to balance out the other in pretty much all cases.
0: Gotcha. That's cool, man. That's cool
2: how you So what about like before you perform like what about the nerves? The how do you feel before you perform? And how do you feel before you're you're you know wrestling at Nationals or w- going for a world team? Like what's what, what's the nerves like before T Pain? What's the nerves before like <laughs>
1: um so I I don't when I'm about to get on the stage, I'm not nervous at so. all. Um
2: no.
1: right before I'll, I'll pace like it's a wrestling warm up, but I also know that, <laughs> like, I, I probably have all these songs committed to memory. It's like I wrote the music. People are here to see it. Like, at the end of the day, I'm probably gonna knock it out of the park. Like, performing is what I love to do. I've I've run through this enough times. Like, this is so much easier than having to wrestle a tournament. Um, I still get similar feelings with big big concerts, like the concert where we opened for Georgia Smith and Cali There was like. There were thousands of people there. And I was just like, yo, if I break this, this is gonna be so bad for me. Um, <laughs> oh. and the thing is it felt like I breaked it, but I could tell they were feeling it by how they responded, but like yeah. nobody was moving, and I was so confused and I realized like it was raining super hard and they were just stuck in mud. But mm-hmm. uh, while I was yeah. watching them, I was just like, I was like, bro, am I am I the worst rapper that ever lived? <laughs> bro, like I, I know yeah. this is hard, like why aren't <laughs> you responding? I made bigger <laughs> music that people responded more to um so that's where their nerves come in because if the crowd isn't feeling you it is a super dead mission i get nervous that people won't show up i get nervous that people won't be rocking with it but it pretty much always works out how you want it to if you just perform as well as you can i know we're making good stuff i perform with a drummer um so doing that like just adding that dimension having a drummer and a sound tech on stage That's more than a lot of people have. I could put on auto tune if I wanted to. I don't, but I could put auto tune on my vocals if I wanted to. Um, So that sort of thing. It it makes me. I'm never going into it by myself, and I know that like I'm making good enough stuff that people are going to react to at least some part of it. But uh, with with wrestling, I get. I at least I used to get like. Cripplingly anxious, and I, I have anxiety. I have anxiety in general. It's it's like. Something that I've been dealing with since I was a kid. It, it sometimes, like, if I didn't check it, it would literally make me freeze up in matches. So, uh, it's it's way different. I think I have a lot more. Um, I feel like there's more on the line when I'm wrestling because music is really a hobby to me that I happen to be good enough at that I can make money from it. But mm. I needed music in in a sense to have that energy go away from wrestling. Otherwise, I would have been. What if I don't do this? What if I don't do that? If I'm an if I'm not an Olympic champion, am I a failure? If I don't, you know, win the NCAA's. Like I had to figure out really that there's some give and take with all of these processes. And there's only so much that I can do with my body, with the cards I'm dealt, the amount of time I have that, uh, that, that means all I, I really should be focusing on is optimizing my time, having fun and doing what I trained to do. Have you so ever
0: I'm, like wrestled and beat the shit out of somebody and like mid lock, you were like, Oh damn, that's a, I gotta write that.
1: I gotta write that one. <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's a bar. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, never. No. Never keep it separate. Never. <laughs> I felt I felt I felt disrespected in wrestling situations and taking it to the booth. I've I've gotten mad enough from wrestling situations. I remember one match I lost to Ronnie Brester by one for the second time and I was pissed off. And somebody had said like a day before that they didn't think that I could make a song just like freestyling off the top of my head. So I listened to a beat probably thirty times in a row that my homie made you just went and off. just Freestyle a song for four four minutes with a hook off the top of my head in, in one take because I was that mad. But like, it's never like I'm thinking, "Oh, I just slammed somebody." Let me take that to the booth. It's Like, <laughs> 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 it's like I, I'm my processes are disconnected from that. I really just use music as a. It's like playing video games to me, you know. Yeah. Like, if, if you if you're talking about what you did on a wrestling mat of Call of Duty, you you're just definitely a lame in the worst way. So,
0: like... <laughs> I, I feel you. That's cool. um, It definitely seems like your creative process is is, is right on par. Um, you got to bounce out here soon, or what? What are we looking like?
1: Yeah, I should probably... Uh, should probably yeah, so why, why don't you know, tell everybody
0: be uh, where they can follow you, where they can listen to your music, anything you got coming up soon, what your plans are. I know you said wrestling and making music. That's for damn sure. But where, where can people follow you at?
1: So, um... My, my Instagram is gt.vii73 because uh, my rap name is seven in Roman numerals VI. So, like, I put my initials, obviously, my, my rap name, and then my area code is 773. I got it tatted on their shoulder. Nice. So uh, <laughs> that's that's all in one handle. My uh, Twitter handle is at theblackcard133 because I was the one black starter. And I wrestled 133 um, <laughs> oh, yeah. for the Cardinal. So uh, yeah, that's 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 where you can follow me if you want to keep up with my shenanigans or competition or any of the music. I promise it's high quality. People keep telling me that at least, so I hope they're right. And uh, so that's where you can keep <laughs> up with me. I'm I'm gonna drop an album before the end of the year. Hopefully, like. Right before the last day of summer, if not, yeah. it'll be early fall. I'm telling
0: you, the podcast is a plug. We got the album drop. So, you know,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've had to preview some stuff on podcast. That's awkward. You got to figure out how to do the whole stream over, stream over Zoom. So unfortunately, I'm not going to do all today. But <laughs> um, that's no, that's uh, that's what's coming up. Obviously, there could be competitions coming up, so I'm just training for those. I want to pin my 23 world team spot. And so if that competition still happens, I'll be there. I'll be there. If there's 15 people there and we got a fist fight, I, I need the title. That's so <laughs> those, are, those are the things that are coming up with me. Um, Still just working on music, working on being the best at being a, a wrestler and a musician if I can be. So that's what's, that's up, what's on the horizon. Bad, bad. You got three followers
0: oh. here. You got three new fans here, man. We're rooting for you. So Avery, you I anything, appreciate man?
3: it. Thank you. Definitely, man. Hey, this is great, Gabriel. We appreciate everything, man. You know, fans out there, make sure you guys check him out. This is, this is, this guy's gonna be a star, whether whether it's wrestling or rapping. this this is the guy right here or running the uh, the, the BWA. So make sure you guys check him out. He's 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 a good
1: guy. I appreciate anything, it,
2: bro. No, just keep doing what you're doing. You're killing it, and uh, I can't wait to see what you do. Yes,
1: Thank you. You know what the weirdest part about all of this is, like. I went to school, I was pre-law at Stanford. So like, if if this music thing doesn't work out within the next four years, you're just gonna only see me in suits. It could go one of two ways. I'm gonna have a, a, a full tat sleeve when I blow up, which I, t- I told one of my producers, who's also my tattoo artist, it's gonna happen. Or I'm just gonna be in suits 100% of the time trying to <laughs> save companies, bro. You're gonna be the man. <laughs> Nah, I'm going to be the man if I'm going to be the man, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, One way or another,
0: man. It sounds like you're going to make you got opportunities, though. So, man, best of luck to you, brother.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm going to need it because nothing is certain. Thank y'all. Yes, thanks for having me. Peace. Peace.